welcome. We are in your ear. We were not in your ear last week because snow was in my ear as the snowstorm pelted the East Coast and I had to dig my way out of my house like some type of Antarctica Eskimo or something. This is Bantering the Blue Shirts. I am your host, Joe Fortunato. I am joined, as always, by Michael Murphy and Beth Macklin. Michael, Bethany, how are you guys doing today? The Eskimo (laughs) people would be Arctic, and that's not an appropriate term for them. Antarctic is the South Pole, Joe. The Inuits are in the North Pole. Ooh, the Inuits. Okay, fine. I I think that sounds cooler anyway. Um, This show is brought to you by Blue Apron. Blue Apron has uh, decided to allow us to sponsor their delicious food-creating program. Uh, Blue Apron, for those of you who do not know, will allow you to pick out three meals a week for two or two meals a week for four. Um, They will deliver all the ingredients directly to your door anywhere in the continental U.S., so long as you're part of that 99%. Um, And it's good, it's fresh, it's eco-friendly and it's very good food, and you don't have to go food shopping, and you get to cook. Maybe you want to cook for your wife, or maybe your wife wants to cook for you, or maybe you are the girl, and you want to cook for your husband. I don't know. You can do whatever you want, because Blue Apron brings you everything except for salt. That's the only thing they don't give you, and you should have salt in your house, especially in the winter, because things get icy, and you need to lay salt down. Um, do not mix up are, your salts, people. No, do not, <laughs> especially not the ones that you put on your sidewalk. They're the number one fresh ingredient recipe delivery service in the country, and you can get $30 off and three free meals with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash blueshirt. And they will deliver the food directly to you. You get to pick one of six meals every – or, excuse me, three of six meals every single week. You will – Honestly, be very happy at the fact that you do not have to go to the food store and you can just pull the stuff out of the refrigerator, everything from the onions to whatever it may be, the scallions, maybe shallots if you're feeling fancy, and you can cook yourself a delicious meal and you get three free meals. So it's blueapron.com slash blue shirt. You will get two weeks for $30. It would normally be 60, but you get three free meals with that uh, code. So it is a better way to cook and it is the way that you should be cooking because... Blue Apron's very good, uh, and I am, a, I guess, a, a walking billboard because I got some delicious Blue Apron food, and it was just that delicious, and I cooked it, and I think I'm a pretty good cook, but Blue Apron is better at picking out meats and chicken than I am, so there you go. BlueApron.com slash Blue Shirt. Go do it. Support us, and if you're lazy and you don't feel like going food shopping, especially if it's snowing, you can do that, too, and it's great. Um, this podcast is also bought, brought to you. I need to learn how to speak. By our Patreon subscribers. Woohoo! And there are a lot of them. Uh, we have Anthony Viola, Dan Lynch, Matt Bader, Eric Cohn, Daniel DeGen, Michael Silvers, who is in the chat and giving us crap at the fact that we did not have a show last week. We'll deal with him later. Um, Trevor Kempna, Thomas <coughs> Osa, excuse me, Alexander Thornton, Nicholas Forlenza, Dan Carosi, Taylor Ryder, John J. Porter. Armiel Kissinger, Zachary Zetlin, Igor Zetlovsky, and Arch Williams. Arch Williams. Arch is a hell of a name. I kind of like that, like an old Western type name. Um, thank you all for donating. You guys can donate by going to patreon.com slash blueshirtpanther. And, yeah, do that. There's some things you can get, some fun things, and you are inevitably filling the bail money for when Beth gets arrested for licking a ranger and has to, you know, Get bailed out of jail. Okay. Anyway, we're going to move to happier thoughts. 
Henrik Lundqvist, who won his 400th game in the NHL with a victory over the Colorado Avalanche this weekend. I was at the game. It was actually a pretty good atmosphere, surprisingly. Um, uh, it, was, it was almost like a playoff game, and I'm not sure if it was because people knew that Lundqvist was on the verge of winning 400 games, but sometimes those weekend games kind of bring in the families. Some people sell the tickets a little bit cheaper if they're just looking to get rid of them, and it was a pretty good crowd. Uh, the Rangers played a great first period, a terrible second period, and a good third period, and that seems to be the recipe for success for – uh, at least a good portion of this season, but more important than the two points, if you could even say that, is Henrik Lundqvist winning 400 games quicker than any other goaltender in NHL history. Uh, Beth, I know you like to say nice things about <laughs> Henrik Lundqvist. I'll give you the opportunity to do so right now. Um, I think it's. I think it came at a good time. Um, he's winning, but I, I think it's real nice for him and for everyone uh, to remember exactly how elite he is and what he's accomplished, um, and that what he's accomplished is exceptional. It's not every day. Um, and I think, you know, I think there's been a rocky relationship this year, um, you know, possibly between him and Vigneault. Who knows? That's just pure speculation. Um, but from earlier and we know a couple of games with the fans, things got a little bit rough. And so I just think that, you know, headed into the, the home stretch here of the regular season, uh, it couldn't, couldn't happen to a better goalie and it really couldn't be better timed um, for him to actually get that sort of really official, you know, nobody can take that away from him. Um, and it was a really good moment to, to see the team come through for him and make that happen. I wish it had come to that we were hanging just one ahead for a little longer than I would have liked. It was a little closer than I think it could have been, but, you know, it happened. He won it. And what's the, isn't there another record he's up for within the next 10 games or so? Uh, you guys know what is, I'm talking about? I do not know what it is, unless it's just him <clears throat> passing someone else on the wins list. It might, yeah, it might be passing somebody else. I think he needs 10 more wins um, to reach another significant milestone. So there's a lot for him to be looking forward to just personally, right, in terms of his own legacy. And I think that's, I think that's really cool. Michael? Oh, I think it's it's been an interesting year, obviously, for Hank, and uh, especially because really how Rangers fans have uh, reacted to is, I think we all know it and can call it this, is he had a very, very bad first start of the season, but um, none of that changed what he had done prior to the first half of the season, and now um, it's kind of a some sweet vindication for him that he's really been the guy leading the charge here in the Rangers' Um, exceptional play in in the new year Um, and I think before the podcast I I quickly opened up an Excel sheet just to look at um, he had that really rough game um, I think against Toronto and then in the last what is it last 10 games he's played he has a 938 save percentage and two losses 
So done eight and two with a nine thirty eight save percentage. I think we can pretty safely say that Hank is back to being Hank. Um and that's that's awesome for that's not just awesome because it's hey look, all those people who didn't think you'd bounce back even though you know, as I wrote that piece on the banner about, you know, the trend of he kind of always turns it around. But it's also awesome because it might be – Hank might be enough to make the Rangers good enough to make some noise in the postseason. Um, but I wanted to ask you guys this because it's something I've been kind of toying around in my head trying to think of whether or not I would write it and finding time for it is um, at what point do we start talking about Lundqvist not just as the best goalie in franchise history, because I think that is, that's already kind of come and, come and gotten. It's happened. Um, I think it's hard. Even the most fiercely loyal and uh, diehard Mike Richter fans will admit that uh, Lundqvist's body of work is second to none. Um, and it's not just about what's on the trophy case. It's about, you know, the length of his career, and obviously, you know, Richter had injuries and everything, but uh, and he played on some awful teams. But um, when you look at what Hank's done, uh, I don't know if it might be time to start considering him the greatest Ranger of all time. Um, and right now, I think the player on the top of most lists, I know the that famous publication, uh, 100 Greatest Rangers, uh, left Brian Leach at the top, and I have nothing uh nothing against that i think leach is a very strong choice for um you know a homegrown guy who was really you know didn't have many peers and what he was able to do while he was with the rangers but is hank the best ranger he's certainly the best ranger any of us have ever seen but do you think he's the best ranger ever joe i was actually going to bring that up um <clears throat> i agree with you first of all that if you take a look at the Rangers organization as a whole, Brian Leach is probably the guy at the top of the list um, in terms of conventional yeah, wisdom. Right. Some of people argued Mark Messier, and Messier was a great Ranger, don't get me wrong. Uh, but he's, won, not, uh, he's not here long enough. Exactly. I know what he did. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think right now, Lundquist has already had enough success that he very well may be the greatest Ranger of all time. Um, I know Leach has a cup. I know Richter has a cup. I know Messier has a cup. I know those are the, the qualifications that a lot of people are, are kind of forcing and pointing at his resume and saying he does not have. But ultimately, you're talking about a team sport, and it doesn't make him any more or less at fault that he does not have a Stanley Cup, and that should not take away from his greatness. I mean, you're seeing a guy who has won – 20 games in 12 straight years. Uh, every year he's been in the league, which is a league record. The only year he did not win 30 games was the lockout shortened season. So he's really been a 30-game winner every single year that he's been in the NHL, which, again, is 12 years. That's a lot. Um, he's had the benefit of the shootout and no ties, and he has 73, I think, overtime losses. I don't know how many of those are shootout losses. I should have looked it up, but you could say he's got a fair amount of, of wins there in that circumstance that obviously help boost him forward. And part of the reason why he's the quickest goalie to ever get to 400 wins, but just for what he's done, the Rangers, not that he's revolutionized the position. I think the position has changed the way the game has changed and evolved, but Henrik Lundqvist is literally the gold standard for goaltenders and what you want to mold your career after. After, And if you look at 
what he's been able to accomplish and, and with such stunning consistency that there are actually people out there who believe that he's washed up because he's he had a, a slump this year where he played average, I think speaks volumes for what he is to this team. The fact that people could actually take someone that good for granted because of how good he's been, uh, it's ludicrous. And there are still some out there who think that he's overpaid and overrated. And to those, I say crabs, but um, I would say that Lundqvist has absolutely cemented himself as one of the greatest Rangers of all time. I think he cemented himself as one of the greatest goaltenders of all time. Um, And I think the Stanley Cup would only push the ladder over the edge. And I think, honestly, at this point, he probably is the greatest Ranger of all time. And he's got a ways to go. Beth, your thoughts on this this subject? Yeah, I mean, I I have to quote, I just retweeted it early. I came to it a couple days late. But, I mean, I really think Sean Hartnett had the best answer to that, which is, you know who has two cups? Uh, Carbom Carcillo has two Stanley Cups. So we really can't be we can't be counting cups as the way to determine the greatness of a player. Um, yeah, there's and, a lot you know, of. I don't mean to cut you off, Beth, but just no, before the podcast, I looked like guys like Marcel Dion, Cam Neely, um, Gartner, Pat Lafontaine, Dale Howardchuk. You know, there's a lot of really, really great, widely recognized great players: Alfredson, Pavel Bure. Phil, Phil Halsey, I almost dropped the first F on the podcast there. Uh, <laughs> Keith Kachuk, you know, there's Eddie Jockerman never won a cup. Um, Brad Park never won a cup. You know, there's there's plenty of guys who don't have that on the resume, and there's no doubt that they're an all-time great. So I don't know why, for some people, Hank is an exception of the rule, but I'll, I'll go back to letting you talk and not being rude, I'm sorry. No, I mean, that's that's where I was going. So, I mean, that's just the truth is it seems like he can, you know, make you the both most beautiful goaltending charts in the history of the world in terms of statistics and consistency. Um, but people always want to seem to be looking for, for something else. And, you know, there's a point at which that almost starts looking like sour grapes, I have to say. Um, but I'm being very positive tonight. So I am going to positive. say positive that Rick Lundquist is positively one of the greatest Rangers and that his any remote chance, because again, I'm just seething with positivity here. uh, He does not end up with a cup um, that hopefully will not uh, affect his, you know, Hall of Fame chances, legacy, all of that stuff, because he's always, he's always mentioned at the top of any goaltending list and, there's a reason for that. So that's really the only yeah. conversation you can have about him and be taken seriously as far as I'm concerned. That, that's the other point. Say the Rangers don't win the Stanley Cup in 94. Is, is Leach no longer the greatest, one of the greatest players of all time because he doesn't have a cup ring? Is Mike Richter not one of the greatest goaltenders in the organization's history? I mean, yeah, Eddie Jockman never won. Not belong in the Raptors. Yeah. So I, I think it's a terrible argument. You, you can... I think Dan Carcillo is a good example because you're talking about a guy who's won two Stanley Cups. And what does that mean? Does that make him a great player? No, he was on a great team. Martin Brodeur, you can make an argument, is one of the greatest goaltenders to ever live. You could make an argument that he was a systemic goaltender that played on a team that absolutely was fitted to make a great goaltender look like one of the greatest goaltenders of all time. 
You could make that argument, and cups are not. Patrick Waugh is widely considered to be one of the greatest goaltenders of all time, as he should be. I don't know if that changes if he doesn't win a Stanley Cup. The reality of the situation, like Alexander Ovechkin is a great example of right now. Are you going to claim that Alexander Ovechkin is, or Pavel Bure, that those aren't two of the greatest goal scorers and hence greatest players in the league if they don't win a Stanley Cup? Bure doesn't have a cup. He's still one of the most lethal goal scorers to ever play the game. Ovechkin will continue to be one of the greatest goal scorers to ever play the game, regardless of whether or not he wins the Stanley Cup. So if you want to use it as a tiebreaker, a gun to your head, would you rather have Crosby or Ovechkin on your team in a game seven? I guess you could say Crosby because he's won a Stanley Cup, but it's a team game. Ovechkin's no better or no worse because he does not have a Stanley Cup. It's not basketball. This is not a game where there's 10 players on the court, and in reality, there's only five players on the court. A guy like LeBron James can totally change the trajectory of a franchise. That is at least a little bit more defensible. But even so, great players sometimes don't win a championship because it's a team sport. It has nothing to do with those players. Henrik Lundqvist has given up, I think, eight goals in seven game sevens or nine goals in eight game sevens. I don't know what it is. Yeah, it's one of those game two. Seven after nuts. Yeah, I saw that. Let's see. He's allowed nine goals in eight game sevens. It's a 961 save percentage and a 111 goals against average. You're telling me you don't want that guy backstopping you in the playoffs because he hasn't won a Stanley Cup? That sounds like a Rangers problem. <laughs> Not yeah, a Henrik Lundqvist problem. Yeah, Lundqvist can't score the goals. That's uh, a problem. So, it, 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 not my final point, Mike, two seconds, and then you can go. Yeah. This is a team that for years has not been good enough offensively. This is the first time we've really seen a team this gifted offensively. How many one nothing two one games did Lundqvist win in the playoffs over the years? How many series did they win on his back without scoring any goals? Don't tell me he's not great because he doesn't have a Stanley Cup. He can't do everything. Go ahead. It's, uh, I just wanted to bring up this, this point while we're, while we're on the topic. It's, it's a really interesting thing to look specifically at uh, goalies in the Hall of Fame and goalies who don't have cups because I, I looked at a – I don't it wasn't an official site, but I looked at a site that has a, you know, chronicles the goalies that get into the Hall of Fame every year, and I did a quick count, and there's 35 goalies in the Hockey Hall of Fame, which – Feels pretty low. Um, I'm not again. I'm not sure if that's you know 100% factual. But when you think about Curtis Joseph as a guy who's obviously played for a long time, he's fourth on the uh, on the wins list. Tank is currently 12th, um, and he's one win behind Osgood, three wins behind Fjord, seven wins behind Glenn Hall. Um, just to give you some context of how good Hank has been, and he obviously hasn't played you know, anywhere near as long as careers as those guys, which is why he's the fastest goalie to 400. Um, but, you know, Curtis Joseph and Roberto Luongo, um, neither of them won a cup. They're fourth and fifth and, and wins. And when, you know, Luongo is three wins behind Joseph. So he obviously will finish his career at least in fourth. Um, and it kind of begs the question, what, you know, what do we need to check off to consider these players great? Like, uh, you know, do you count a long career against 
someone? Like, should you count that against Curtis Joseph? Because I don't think that's, you know, staying a, top, a starting goaltender in the NHL for 20 years, I don't think it's something that should, you know, should be counted against you. Um, playing in an era where there are more games in the season, again, I don't think that's something that should be counted against you. It's a far more fiercely competitive league. Um, uh, and I, I know that there are fewer teams and therefore fewer roster spots you know, 50 years ago, but the guys who stick around for long enough and are good enough to pile up wins, and I know that wins is a pretty misleading category, um, especially, you know, if you look at a goaltender like Chris Osgood and you ask yourself, you know, was he one of the best goalies you ever saw growing up for those those listeners who are in my age bracket? But um, it's also weird I briefly remember Osgood being with the Islanders as a little aside, but uh, to get back <laughs> to the point, uh, I don't know what more if Hank if Hank's career ended today, God forbid, um, he would belong in the rafters at the Garden and he would belong in the Hall of Fame. That's that's the way I feel, just because of his body of work up until this point is that good, um, and I know that some people will really, really harp on the fact that there's no cup ring and there's, you know, there are other goalies who've won cups but uh, in, in Hank's era. But, you know, do we – does Cam Ward belong in the Hockey Hall of Fame? Is he better than Hank because he has a Stanley Cup ring? Um, you know, well, we have to get real about the point that Joe made, which is there's a lot of – what makes the playoffs so great is there's so much just fortune involved. It's just, you can be very fortunate to be the guy who's, you know, on the fourth line or even the backup goaltender. Um, Glenn Healy is a Stanley Cup ring with the Rangers. Is he going to be more fondly remembered than Henrik Lundqvist? You know, I guess I'm just raising a bunch of points to a point that everyone already agrees with, but uh, I'll just trail off awkwardly here. And that <laughs> Final thing on this topic, <clears throat> it's really the only, I guess the only thing we haven't discussed is, is and I'm going to preface this by saying, obviously Lundquist is aided in what I'm about to say by the fact that there are no, there were no shootouts uh, back in the day, but Lundquist has 401 wins in 744 games, or excuse me, 727 games, and he has only 400 wins. I was looking at Chris Osby's line. Um Grant Fuhrer had 403 wins in 868 games. You know, Martin Brodeur had 691 wins. He's leading the pack in almost 1,300 games. So Lundqvist, you look at the players around him, uh, he's winning because he's good. And again, the, having the ability to win games and shootouts is an enormous help here. But He's a good goaltender, a great goaltender, one of the best goaltenders. I don't know where his career is going to end up. If he stays at this pace, three more seasons, including what he wins this year, he could get to 500. Um, Maybe he'll go further. Who knows? It depends on how long he plays. I don't know if I see him winning another 191 games to get to where Brodeur is, but such is the benefit of being on a team that uh, allows you to win 40 or 45 games a year. So. Hats off to Lundqvist. Honestly, I think Beth made a good point when she said couldn't have come at a better time because I think he needed it. His last 10 games have been vintage Hank, and it's exactly what the Rangers need as they move forward. 
It really is. The only thing that Henrik Lundqvist has to do now is score a goal. At some point, I want to see him score a goal. <laughs> That's all I want. Um, I don't have the for that one. It's actually uh, kind of amazing, too. Lundqvist has 16 penalty minutes. He is by far and away the lowest of anybody on this list. <laughs> Tom Barrasso had 437 penalty minutes. Holy How? Shit. What was he doing? I know Hexall must be really up there. <laughs> Murder. Yeah. Ed Belfort is 380. I'm only looking at the – it's sorted by wins. All right, now you you have piqued my interest, at least in this regard. Ron Hextall has 584 penalty minutes. Billy Smith is 489. That is incredible. Oh, my goodness. Huh. Well, they did come well, from an era where they were a little more liberal with using their sticks as weapons. True. And fighting. Yeah, and, I uh, remember guys like getting shots in the like in the Achilles tendon, just getting whacked by goalies. Arbor uh, Green asked in the chat if Lundqvist is a first ballot Hall of Famer, and I would say absolutely. I, I can't see a world where he's not. To be completely honest with you, uh, even yeah, even though goalies, it's really an uphill battle. It, it appears just because they so rarely get in. I still think Hank. It really depends on who else is in that class, I suppose. But I still think Hank would be would be in that discussion just because of you know it's uh, uh, I don't know. In, in many ways, I think his career has been more impressive than Luongo's, and I'm sure there are people who would debate me on that. But um, you know, if if you just look at what he's achieved, you know, before hitting 35. It's, it's pretty substantial. And I don't think anyone, if you're just looking at things that are kind of within his control, um, kind of the individual stats and not just uh, what's on the, you know, the mantelpiece in terms of trophies. The fact that he only has the one Vesna and yet he's in the Vesna discussion every year. I forget what the votes are, but there's an incredible trend with Lundqvist just, um, being the bridesmaid, but not the bride for many, many, many years with the Vesna. So um, it's hard to imagine him not being a first ballot, but again, it all depends on the class. I honestly wonder if he was uglier, if people would like him more. <laughs> if he was more homely. Yes. Yeah. But he's not. If he looked he's like a... a toad, would people be, you know. He's a I Swedish think he God. inspires strong reactions. Yeah, it's, you know, She's it's a tough role, very... but somebody's got to play it. Somebody does have to play that role. Um, <laughs> another role that, that's being played. Wow, that's a terrible transition, but it's what you're getting. Well, um, it is a transition. I'll give you that. One of the best questions we got this week was: Was mine? Yeah. Is is Grabner <laughs> playing really well because of Miller and Hayes, or Miller and Hayes playing really well because of Grabner? And it is a topic that I think is worthy of conversation because that line has been one of the long-standing lines to this point. Grabner has 26 goals on the year. Uh, Miller and Hayes are both on pace for point totals near the 70s. I think Miller is 67 points. Hayes is like 68 points. They're ridiculous totals. And I think that even at the most optimistic, we weren't sure we were going to see them explode on this level. It's a little bit of a loaded question, but Mike, I will throw you out there because I know you work well under pressure. What do you think the answer <laughs> to that question is? Oh, yeah, I, lo- I love pressure. It's just what I love. Um, 
I don't it, it's a really tricky thing with trying to you know find what the catalyst is for what makes that line work um, because Grabner and Miller were still looking good and being productive when Hayes was out but then uh, when Hayes got back um, you know right around the time when this winning streak started that line started to take over games um, so but of course there's a lot of things to consider um, the one that I I bring up a lot is Grafner's even strength shooting percentage. Um, uh, and I'm not trying to discredit what he's done, obviously, but I think there's something to be said about a guy who still thinks he's shooting, you know, north of 20% at even strength. But uh, considering, you know, that we're over 50 games in, it's you do come to a point where you start, you can no longer use the word unsustainable and just say things like, yep. holy crap it again um, <laughs> because it's just that kind of a year for him but uh, it's it's an interesting thing with that line um, because I know that uh, in terms of possession numbers they're, they're not one of the Rangers best possession lines in fact I think they're normally towards the bottom but the, in terms of high quality scoring chances and just being the guys who you know, it's like they they work all game to put together a couple of shifts, and in those couple of shifts, they look like the best line of the league. Um, but I, I I don't really think it's because of player X, Y, or Z. I just think they just happen to be clicking and working. Um, I forget if it's if it's still true, but I know Miller. You know, when he was ahead of um, yeah, he's now level with John Tavares in points, which is you know, just makes me happier than I have words to describe. But uh, when we think about the sort of year that, like, Hayes, how good has Hayes looked since coming back? And he's been just primary assist machine and that takeaway and that that breakaway goal, I think it was on Bobrovsky, right? Just Mm -hmm. who the hell is that? Because that doesn't look like Kevin Hayes, (laughs) but I like who that is. Uh, and Gravner just the goals just keep coming. I, I don't know. I'm now just kind of gushing about the line and not at all answering your question. But I think that's because it's it's a really tricky thing to figure out is what makes that line tick. Um, but both Miller and Hayes are very good at passing, and Gravner is very very fast. And because of his speed, I think the ice opens up. And Miller and Hayes both have shown you know, proclivity for knowing how to get Grabner the puck with open ice in front of him. And then it feels like in some ways, uh, although I don't, I don't have anything to support this other than assumption and watching games is when it's Hayes and Miller who are looking more threatening, it's because teams are kind of doing their best to keep an eye on where Grabner is because, you know, he could have a blindfold on and, you know, three bottles of scotch and he would still score a goal. So, (laughs) Um, I don't know. I'll yeah. let that take over now. I mean, yeah, Grabner's a goal-scoring machine. Um, I'm not even sure that – I mean, you put him on any line and he is going to do what Grabner does to some extent. He's going to play his game. Um, sure. And we thought – I think we'd been thinking that, you know, that was going to get broken up, that was going to get stopped, people were going to figure it out. There's nothing to figure out. The guy's really fast and, and scores goals. You know, um, so <laughs> there it is. It. Yeah. Um, 
Let's do it. So again, I don't. I am sure. Yeah, I agree completely that Grabner opens up ice for Hayes and Miller. Um, Hayes and Miller are just. It's funny because I think Hayes. I think of as sort of like the princess and the pea. Like Hayes needs to be in the perfect place to play his best game. He needs to be on his perfect line. You know. With perfect people and know perfectly what's going on, and he'll play you, you know, he'll play fantastic hockey. But if you take him out of that, he can wander around and look lost. I think that's, you know, he is getting older. He has more time now. I think that's going to change. I think he's going to become definitely, and I'm agreeing with A.V. on this, you know, um, playing a much better game end-to-end. Um and Miller, I just always thought of him as like, you know, an elite grinder in some way, you know, like just in there doing the work. And right now the work just is making all the goals, which is fantastic. I mean, even when Miller has a bad game, you never don't notice him. You always see him mm-hmm. fighting for the puck. And, and, and you know, on a, on a night when he doesn't score, sometimes he has moments where you like cringe because he got so close. Um, and you see those moments again and again. So... I want to, I think we definitely need to include Grabner in the chemistry of the line. Um, But I do think it's like some sort of weird, perfect combination of space um, and finesse and just fighting it out. Um, We don't see Hayes doing as many of those long extended sequences (laughs) with the puck of like tap dancing and winding in and out of things. And, you know, when they work, they're fantastic. And when they don't work, you're like, Jesus, Hayes, you know, give somebody else the puck, stop. Um, He doesn't do as much of that on this line unless he absolutely has the time. Um, And there's something to be figured out. So, yeah, just something's working amazingly. Um, And I think Grabner's part of that. But I also think Grabner would be, scoring the way he's scoring on almost any line right now, because that is just the thing he seems to be built to do. Yeah, if there's a benefit... I'll just cut it in front of you really quick, Joe. It's something I posted on Twitter a couple hours before the show. The Rangers power play since the beginning of the new year has been pretty much dog shit. It's like 9.7%. It's the second worst in the league. And since the beginning of the new year, the the numbers for just even strength production for Miller in 17 games, 16 even strength points. Grabner yep. in 17 games since the beginning of the new year, 12 even strength goals. Um, and Hayes, obviously, he missed five games there. In 12 games, 10 even strength. No, 14. No, I can't count. I'm sorry. <laughs> you got a lot of points, bottom line. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's it's a really, really interesting thing to to look at how, you know, when Hayes was gone, that Miller and Grabner were still connecting, you know, that was still working, which leads me to believe that Hayes isn't necessarily the, you know, the, the ingredient of, of, of necessity, I guess that was, that was a clumsy combination of words. Uh, But I wouldn't say that he's he's obviously not hurting the line. I, I think in many ways this is just guys being like like Beth's saying, but perhaps with less mattresses and less princesses. It's just the right combination of, of guys and Grabner getting a chance to kind of, you know, build this new identity in, in a new role on a new team and on a winning team. And 
he's taken this thing and just running, just run away with it. He, he looks now like, you know, he looks like an elite goal scorer when he's on the ice and he's still not getting any ice time, but he's, when he has the puck, you know, flying up the boards and, uh, you just watch me just go, yeah, he, he's going to score tonight. It, it'll happen. He might need three or four breakaways, but he will get the goal. And that's something that's so exciting about the team. And it it's something I think that every team, when you play the Rangers, you have to be prepared that when Grabner's on the ice, you can't lose track of him because it'll be a breakaway. And not every goalie will be able to stop two or three breakaways from Grabner every game with the way he's shooting right now. I also like about him that he's not, when he does, even if he doesn't score, um, something happens. You know, he leaves a rebound or he reconfigures things so that the play can keep going. Or it's not just I'm going to take off down the ice and shoot and hit the goalie dead center in the stomach and then the play's over and, you know, there's another face. It, it, It just seems to enable motion that I think both Miller and Hayes have been able to take advantage of. It's not just one guy on a breakaway and then it's over and play stops. Um, no, I, I'd be interested I honestly to know can't what the percentage is on that actually. Yeah. I honestly can't think of a ranger signing for less than two million on the camp. Um that was a you know a true you know, a true USA kind of veteran addition who's looked half as good as Grabner has as a ranger. It's, you know, remember the romance we had, you know, with Victor Stahlberg and you're like, oh, how come people don't know about Victor Stahlberg? And look at the <laughs> Victor Stahlberg guy. He's, he's pretty special. And when we lost him, we just, oh God, how are we going to do this without Victor Stahlberg? And when you look at what Grabner is and, you know, what, what an important signing that is. And I know there's the talk of, and Joe talked earlier in the year about, you know, maybe moving him just because, of what he would land. There's no doubt in my mind he would earn a first-round pick at this point, but I'm I'm not sure I would move him for a first-round pick. And I know that with the Vegas expansion coming, um, it's more than just goals. He He's so good on the forecheck. He disrupts passes. He spoils, you know, how the other team gets out of their own zone. He creates, because of his speed and how good he is at reading passing lanes, he creates so many of his own chances. Yeah. And like Beth said, even if he's not the guy scoring goals, he's the guy who will tilt the ice and make things happen for his teammates. That's it's an amazing thing to have on a third line. It's Grammar is speed, and he really does fit the system very well. Because to get to the original question, who's helping out who more? I don't know if there's a right answer. Grammar yeah. opens up the ice for Miller and Hayes. And let's talk about something else very quickly. Miller and Hayes have a chemistry with one another that's just, it's really working. You can see it on the penalty kill. You can see it when the two of them are on the ice together. There's something there that's clicking. And Grabner's ability to get into the zone and to be the stretch pass threat allows Miller and Hayes more time to do whatever it is they do in the zone. The question becomes, could you really put anyone on that line? And here, here's the thing. I think that with a couple of exceptions, Miller and Hayes would be worse off if Grabner was not on that line. Um, I think Butch never should work on that line. I think Zabanajad would work on that line. I think Cryer would work on that line. Outside of that, 
I'm not really sure I'd like to see any changes there. I think Grabner could score no matter where you put him just because of the speed to the game. And I've been in the camp of I'd like to see Grabner at least talk about trading him. I'm still in that camp, but I'm changing my tune from picks and prospects to what could the Rangers get to help them right now defensively? Could you put him in a package to pry someone from Anaheim? Can you put him in a package to pry a guy like Dougie Hamilton? Is there something out there? I mean, I'm being outlandish, I know, but you're also talking about a, a potential 40-goal scorer this year being available to trade that line. Contender will pay yep. through the nose. And there are plenty of teams that have too many defensemen to protect and not enough forwards to protect that I think would take Grabner. And I really do think there's an opportunity there. Um, I just think it would be ridiculous to not have the discussion at the very least. And big uh, map, 22 on Blue Shirt Banter. Uh, one of our longtime commenters tells me that it's uh, him and I fight about this a lot, that it's not Gordon's job to figure out whether or not the Rangers are Stanley Cup hopefuls or Stanley Cup contenders. They need to go into the playoffs as, as best they can and try to win the Stanley Cup, and he's not wrong. But you also don't necessarily want to see the Rangers – well, not don't necessarily. You do not want to see the Rangers go all in again this year unless there's more of a long-term outlook to it. And I just don't know uh, if you're going to be able to find that without moving a piece like – Grabner, unless I'm wrong. Someone jump in and save me. Well, I know recently it came out that Anaheim is in any sort of hurry to, to move any of their young D, and that's that's a very important thing for the Rangers because Anaheim is one of those teams that had a couple of options there that looked like the Rangers should be interested in. Um, I don't know. It's, it's a really interesting thing, especially with uh, we've been so positive. I, just, I don't want to bring it up, but uh, with Buchnevich now being a scratch, um, it only really further illustrates that the Rangers really have this abundance of, of forwards and a clear dearth of, of defensemen. And it's a sort of thing that needs to be balanced out. Um, and a guy like Grabner, as Joe has been saying, is the sort of guy who could not only balance things out, but really give the Rangers a step in the right direction in terms of a guy you could build around. I mean, that's obviously other pieces would have to go. Um, but in addition to grabbing to get someone, you know, who's a young defenseman that you could talk about as a guy who you could use as a foundation. But it's, it is definitely something the Rangers need to think about. I don't know, you know, Putting a price tag on Grabner, I think, is an incredibly difficult thing to do. Um, but for some teams out there, a guy who's less than $2 million on the cap that they have for this year and next year, of course, you know, there's the expansion draft to consider. That should be something that's really, you know, it's very, very tempting. He's fast. He can kill penalties. You know, um, he's he's done all this in a pretty limited role with the Rangers. You know, he doesn't see power play time and he has all these goals. Uh, and it's not like he's been padding his goals with empty nets. I think he just has one or two. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, there's so much to like there, but I, I, he's one of those guys who I just don't know what the asking or, you know, selling price on him would be. I wouldn't know how to put the price on him, but I would imagine, you know, if, if, someone like Brian Boyle would command, you know, a high draft pick, you know, 
hell would a guy like Grabner with his, you know, nearly 30 goals now? What would he, you know, is you know, he could have 30 goals in all certainty. He will he will have 30 goals before the end of the month. Just what what's the asking price for someone like that? So I I think that's something the Rangers have to keep their ear open about as the deadline approaches, just because it's it is such a pressing need. And I know that there is the whole Clendenning thing, and that's a whole can of worms that I think we'll try to avoid opening this podcast. But there's a there's a real need for for more reliable defensemen who can move the puck on this team that are on the right side of 27 years old. Um, and I I know that those answers don't come without a lot of tinkering in the offseason, including a buyout and all of that, but the Rangers have an asset today that they could use to start fixing things today and tomorrow. And there's no guarantee that Grabner will still be here. So um, it's, it's not lunacy to consider moving him, even as uncomfortable as it is. But the fact that it, you know, you, you would ask yourself, well, where, where do we get those goals from? Well, you, you know, you can hope you can kind of make it up and, and the players around, including guys like Buchnevich, who would benefit from getting more ice time, you know, a, a bigger role. But is it rolling the dice? Yeah, but, you know, that's why it's called a trade. So, I don't know. But then we have to factor in the whole, if we give up Grabner for D, or is A.B. going to use the D in a way that's going to make it worth having given up Grabner? Positive well, that's a whole other thing, though. We're trying to be positive, Beth. <laughs> hey, I was. I was trying to be positive, but that's, yeah, that's where I circled like back a, to in that conversation. Uh, but I don't think it's a, a bad conversation to have because uh, I'm going to try to stay positive. We did see uh, sort of a <laughs> did see this happen with Keith Yandel, you know? So, yeah, there, there's definitely something to be said about whether or not he's going to use the players correctly. And as I've said multiple times, I do think we're going to see an overhaul on what the defense looks like this summer, just because there's really no way we're not going to be able to see it. The Rangers are going to have to make some really difficult decisions with the expansion drafting line, especially if they make any trades at the trade deadline. But you look at this offense and there are moments where I am convinced this team could be a Stanley cup contender with just a couple yep. of tweaks. But yeah. if the couple of yep. tweaks cost you a guy like Grabner or a guy like Miller, depending on who you're getting back, of course, is your offense still as good as it is to see a Stanley Cup contender? That's the question that Jeff Gordon sort of needs to leverage. I would rather the Rangers do nothing than make a move that's only going to help them this year. They, they, you can't keep doing that. You can't keep dipping into that well because eventually there's going to be nothing left. And right now there, there's very little left in the prospect pool. Ryan Graves, I think, is the Rangers' number one prospect right now. Now they have enough young players that guys like Sherry hey, and Buchnevich and V. He's got a and, big and shot, that kid. He does it. I think Graves is a – I'm not saying he's not a good <laughs> prospect. And uh, obviously um, Igor Sheshkarin? 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 No, whatever. I'm not going um, to walk out there with you on that one. He would be the Rangers' best prospect, but he's a goaltender, so he's not going to help until – after Henrik Lundqvist is gone, hopefully. And yeah, the Duke, I like he, to call him. You, you can't keep going <laughs> down that road. 
And that's why there is a part of me that is very, very tempted to just kind of throw – not necessarily throw in the towel, but admit that you, you're not a Stanley Cup contender this year. Cut your losses. See if you can't get, say, a first-round pick and a good prospect or a, a great prospect and a second- or third-round pick from a team firm and, and go from there. I think it's tempting. I really do think it's tempting. I, I get it. I, I do understand the allure of not wanting to do it. Pumple, Peary, Lindbergh, whoever – would replace Grabner permanently would not be Michael Grabner, but there is a chance that Michael Grabner's shooting percentage will fall off the cliff and he won't score another goal the rest of the season. It's possible next year. If he scores, if he scores 40 goals this year, or even 30 or 35 goals this year, I would almost bet my lunch that he would not do that again next year. Your uh, lunch? Sh- that's not a significant thing to bet. No, that's but, not a real wager. No. Oh, I was going to say eat my hat. And then I was going to say, bet my hat, but no one, I don't even wear hats. Unless, of course, the lunch was a quality Blue Apron meal. Oh, Michael, (laughs) very good. And maybe it would be a quality Blue Apron meal. Now, all of a sudden, it's worth something, isn't it? Wow. A nice, refreshing glass of Zuka-Cola. But uh, I don't think we're going to see this from Grabner again next year. All the people who say, you're an idiot. None of this sounds positive, Joe. Not necessarily. Well, it's not that it's not positive. It's, it's just that it's, it's not negative. I think it's, it's just real. The law of averages will always win. I'm not sure Grabner's a 35 to 40 goal scorer. I, I think he's having an unbelievable season, and he's probably cursing every bone in his agent's body that he didn't sign a one-year deal because he would be looking at an enormous contract this summer if he yep. was not already signed. So that is not necessarily – Negative, but it's not positive for Grabner either. But you know what? He might go get to play in Vegas. Who knows? I would love to play in Vegas. I like Vegas. Vegas is is nice. Are we and trading you, Joe? Are we trading you to another more. podcast? Oh, God. What would the podcast be called? Bantering the Golden Knights? <laughs> the round table. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a K word. Ooh, for, the round table is a good one. Mike is very Oh, creative. Mike, you're good at this. What can I say? Endorsement <laughs> deals and naming things. That is Throwing a thing. You don't need all that much more in this life. Um, <laughs> I can. I promise you that you do from from my life experience. <laughs> Since we're being positive, and we're we're not permitted to talk. We won't talk about Buchanovich. Uh, I'll say I think it's ridiculous yeah. that he's sitting with us all saying I'll say it really fast so it doesn't count. There it is. Um, Mike posed an unbelievable question. If you had to be stuck in a room for a night with a flightless bird, which would you be most afraid of? Mike, what? you have to answer the question first. I don't even understand the question. What All if right, you were so, in a room with a flightless yeah, the, bird, yeah. but you got to any, pick which bird it would known not flightless be? Bird. Okay. Yeah. Which, one would it, which bird would you select for it not to be because you're afraid of them? Mike? Wait, so I have to pick the bird I'm least, flightless bird I'm least afraid of. No, the The flightless bird you're most afraid of. You're most afraid of. Flightless bird I'm most afraid of. Oh, an ostrich, no question. Ostrich? Ostrich will kick the crap out of you. Will it? I think if you don't bother it. You're in a room. Chances are you're going to bother it. 
I mean, I'm not going to bother a penguin either, but, you know, you bother anything enough and it'll come after you. Listen, penguins are dangerous. They don't play games. They're not as dangerous as ostriches. Ostriches are mean. That's definitely my sentence of the podcast. Listen, penguins are dangerous. (laughs) They are. They're very dangerous. You see the penguins that peck the hell out of each other? That's not a game. They just peck each other. I'm not another penguin. Yeah. That's not a penguin trying to steal someone's face. It is pure dumb rage. (laughs) Dumb rage. I like dumb rage. That's good. Mike, what would you pick? I have the right answer, so you have to give me your wrong answer first. I don't like this. There's a but right I answer? Did, yeah, I, did a little, right. I did a little bit of research on this. Ooh. I, have, I have a theory with it. Um, mine is extinct, but in the event that it was not extinct, the elephant bird. It is a bird awesome. that it's almost like a, it's like a T-Rex in that it has very small arms but enormous, powerful legs. But they are enormous. And they are extinct now, but they, it would crush you easily, <laughs> more than an ostrich. It would just run at you and take you down. Right. No, I'm going to say that doesn't count to... because it's extinct. You have to what? It I have to read the sentence to, to you. <laughs> All right, so about I'm looking up how bird? mean ostriches are. No, yeah. it's about ostriches. They can cause serious injury and death with kicks from their powerful legs. However, their legs can only kick forward. Right, so you just stand behind the ostrich. It'll be kicking like crazy, but you're safe. Well, unless it can turn faster than you can. No, you just you gotta stay in the blind ostrich. spot of an animal that can move its head during 60 degrees. Yeah. They can swallow Michael, things as large as, a, as an orange, I think. It's pretty amazing. You I'm not afraid the ostrich is going to eat me. I'm just oh, afraid the, it's going to beat the crack answer is a, out of me. Is a cassowary. A what? A Isn't that a monk? No, that's not a monk. You are so uncultured. He <laughs> <laughs> called you uncultured. I like it. Uh, they're from <laughs> New Guinea and northern Australia, and they have a velociraptor-like talon, and they're territorial. They normally avoid humans, but if you corner them, like if you were in a cell overnight, uh, they've been known to hurt people and disembowel them by kicking. Oh, you're. I. You know what? It's ostrich-like, and I think you're correct. It is very. I'm looking at it. So, although like not having not having a cassowary in my brain glossary does still make the ostrich the best answer that I had on hand at that time. No, I'll, I'll tell you this, Beth. Ostrich is not a bad answer. It's they're goddamn huge, and full of not as big as dumb rage. It's, it's just as, you should be just as afraid of that as a dodo, even though those flew. But yeah, but they don't oh, have a whole paragraph in their Wikipedia entry on cassowary attacks. Yeah, they don't have a whole thing. Does. Elephant birds are enormous. Enormous. They were. Not big. You have to remember They're tense here. Because it's enormous. the past tense. They were enormous. Let's see. I'm looking now at the elephant bird and in compared to other animals. And it is enormous. The elephant bird, you as a six foot tall human, would only reach the bottom half of its breastbone of the elephant bird. Now, who feels stupid? That's right. The elephant bird is coming. The elephant bird is three times the size of an ostrich. I I remain unafraid as it is extinct. 
Guys, listen, listen to this. The one documented human death caused by a cassowary was on the 6th of April, 1926. 16-year-old okay. Philip McLean, oh, you've got to listen to this, and his brother, age 13, came across a cassowary on their property and decided to try to kill it by striking it with clubs. <laughs> I would just kick the, bird the crap out of them. The younger boy who fell and ran away as his older brother struck the bird. The older McLean then tripped and fell to the ground. While he was on the ground, the cassowary kicked him in the neck. Oh, oh God. A wound which may have severed his jugular vein. You know what? Oh, I'm Jesus seeing cassowary Christ. in that. You are he laughing at something that you could not laugh at. You're laughing at club. child death. You deserve death. whatever happens not to you. Positive. You, uh, I, I, I feel like that is a positive ending to that story. <laughs> I don't let my kids go around striking things with clubs. You ever see the Office episode where Dwight gives the guy the myriad of tools to destroy the bee's nest? And he grabs the <laughs> flamethrower and everyone's like, no. And then he takes the bat and he just starts beating it up and he's getting stung. That's what I imagine. What are we going to go after this bird with? Take the club, the thing that drives us right into its wheelhouse so that it kick us in the neck. <laughs> it was 1926. Yeah. I mean. I love that the it bird was, was like finished. Yeah. <sighs> Wait, what are anyway, we doing this podcast about again? Yeah. Which, which ranger would you least like to be locked in a room with? If the ranger was enraged. Um, I think Girardi, just because I've written so many things about him that it would make it awkward. Mm, I agree with that. I think Girardi would punch me in the face if he could see me. However, I think he's a very, he's a great person and a great guy, but I would have, I don't, I'm not comfortable with eye contact with anyone, but looking into those haunting blue eyes, knowing that I've <laughs> compared him to, I think it was a Segway with a broom attached to it. <laughs> it was a Segway. Um, it would be pretty hard. He is indestructible, so that would immediately scare yeah, almost true. everybody. He's a robot. He, he the story in the yep. the daily and like this is the thing. I get very frustrated. I love Dan Girardi. I really do. He was in the locker room the other day, walking around and wanted to know why there was blood on the ground, and then looked over at his stall and saw a pool of blood. How that that's a man right there. He's just not good at hockey anymore. I, I, I'm sorry. Those two things can exist in the good same... Good at bleeding, bad at hockey. They can exist Although in the same... Although maybe you're bad at bleeding if world. you don't notice you're bleeding. No, that's an, you're an amazing bleeder if you don't know you're bleeding. Amazing. Because you don't even huh. know. It's just happening. Um, I don't have any comments. I, yeah, I would say Girardi would be... Still thinking about cassowary. He would be on that list for sure. Oh, who do we pit against the cassowary? That's a better question. Well, they can only get a cup if they kick the crap out of a cassowary. Who do we send in? No weapons. Crider. You can jump out Crider, of the pool. Crider, yeah, it would have yeah, to be Absolutely, Crider. yeah. Crider. Crider would definitely, if like the rangers were a, a tribe of indigenous people, Crider would be the hunter for sure. <laughs> but he'd just absolutely. have to like hug it to death. He couldn't actually. Yeah. <laughs> If you, it. If he does, Two days later, he's still throttling the cassowary. Yeah, he would, he yeah, would hug it to sleep. If you had a roll of duct tape and uh, a willing Chris Kreider and you like taped his arms up so they're like T-Rex arms, and you put butcher knives on his feet and told him to go out and hunt for you, he would come back with food. 
I'm proud of her. Yeah, absolutely. He would be the shaman, like the king of the indigenous people. Um, uh, God, Kreider would definitely be the hunter. Uh, it would be amazing. The whole thing would be amazing. You have to, who, uh, so many things are running through my head right Kreider now. Kreider would really also, are. though, see like baby Bambi and, and burst into tears. I fully believe so. Maybe. I don't know. He wouldn't want I don't want to get blocked by would, him on Twitter, gain... so I'm not going to say anything. Ooh. That's right, man. Not all because I love Kreider. Wait, what? Mm, Kreider has blocked only one person on this podcast. Uh. Who might that be? I liked when you did the your investigative like uh, <laughs> pursuit of trying to figure out why, and you found one sentence. Well, I got two sentences. Yeah, two sentences that any normal sane person would immediately block the person saying it. <laughs> it wasn't mean. It was yeah. just bizarre. It would be like you walking down the road and someone coming up to you and being like, I had a dream last night, and I'd like to tell you what it was. And you're just like, okay, don't come near me or my family, please. That's kind of what it's like. Um, I just tweeted about you, Mike. God damn it. I'm going to block you. We're swearing a lot on this show. <laughs> I'm worried. I would be most worried about Zuccarello with the cassowary just because his head is right about where a 14-year-old ornery Australian teenagers would be. Yeah. We already know how that turned out. Uh, yeah. I agree. I think I, I you'd be – well, you know what? People said Zuccarello was never going to make it to the, into the NHL because of his size, and he did that. So maybe he would be better than we think he would be. No, nothing to that? No, I'm just thinking about how often I He's still fighting the cassowary, or are we playing hockey again? (laughs) I guess both. What if the cassowary, what if it's on ice? (laughs) Oh, then my money's on Duke, sure. Yeah, he's got too much speed. Mm. Miller, isn't Miller, Miller's from Pennsylvania. I feel like Miller might be a hunter in real life. One who enjoys going out and hunting. Yeah, so he'd probably be very, very successful. Yeah. I would Uh, also least like to have Milsey mad at me, I think. Yeah, he definitely... I think a bad J.T. Miller would be a dangerous thing. Him, Kreider... uh, I I feel like if Lundquist was mad at me, I would just be... I'd feel bad about myself. (laughs) And your choices... Is the Ranger player who's most likely to own like a like a a denim jacket with the sleeves cut off as a kid uh, that had like band pins all over it? You know what I mean? I think He's not an outsider. Cool. Well, he he could be an outsider. He actually could be. You you know what? You're totally right. He completely could be. I could totally Photoshop him into that picture if I knew how to Photoshop. Yeah. If you if you did like because even when he was younger, especially his hair. Oh, like God, a, yes, his hair. Yeah, he could definitely have been a pony boy. I think you know what we're talking about, Joe? Too. It's a book. I'm reading <laughs> a series of books, Michael. No, you're not. No, you're I am. not. I'm reading a series of books. No, you're I am not. I'm on the fifth of eight uh, yeah. books of the Dark Tower. And Roland, uh, his tattoo, 
I am. I thought you were going to say the Bernstein Bears, and I was going to. No, and then are we going to talk that, about? Are we going to talk about Butznevich, or are we going to make this positive night and just leave know, it with we, birds killing people? I do think this was. I didn't. I did intend to talk about it, but I mean, we've been so positive. Yeah. Why be negative? That's true. Of course, now it's all I can think about. Right. Now you've you've just put it into our brains like some type of sick spreading virus. Uh, He shouldn't be sitting. uh... No, Beth, no. We're not talking about it. Okay. Okay. Can we talk about it next week? I mean, I'm sure we – I hope we don't talk about it because I hope this is a one-game thing. Let's just leave it as that, but – Something tells me it's not. It's going never to a one-game thing. Nope. No, we had a so game, Joe. Well, think Brandon Peary hasn't played in 2017 yet. He's not even playing, but he has. Mike, he's done nothing in 2017 as well. So. Yeah, he has done nothing in 2017 except he's tied for the team lead in power play goals. But other than that, he's not done anything. <laughs> well, 2017, he hasn't even played. Slacker. There are people out there who will defend anyone. And attack anyone, no matter what. Like the cathode. No, just like the cathode, just kicking violently, striking for the jugular. Searching, searching for the jugulars of young young men. What a terrible story that was! And Beth laughed at yeah, the Beth, worst part. You laughed the whole way through a child Beth story. It, it, she just it was like, oh, it here's the most child. horrible part of the story, and she laughed. He was 16, so he was old enough to drive, and he asked about it because he tried to beat a bird with a club. First of all, it was the 1920s. He could have driven at the age of three. <laughs> busted, first of all. Okay. In the 20s, the automotive people laws. roaming around beating birds with clubs. Was that? What they had no. Thing? There were no licenses. You just you you could literally own your own farm at seven years old. You're married and you have three kids. Yeah, he has. He was protecting his children, actually. So. I'm seven years old. <laughs> All right. He was hunting Cathaway for dinner. That's yeah. the way that it worked back then. The Rangers were in their infancy back then. Think about that. They didn't know what it was, so they decided to kill it. <laughs> I refuse well, to endorse that view of the world. Just listen. It was different in. It was much different in the twenties. In the twenties, you just killed things. It was the way that the world worked. <laughs> The depression was right around the corner. Tensions were high. Your farm was your life. They were defending Australia, which began as convicts, as you know, Beth. Wait, was it Australia? Yeah, well, it's Cathwary from New Guinea and Australia. Yeah. Yeah, just Australia. He was the spawn of convicts. I thought he did pretty well to only put. Point. Excellent point. Yeah, they were. See, and you're laughing, but this is a convict. Hey, it, Team Convict Spawn versus Team Bird, I still pick Bird. <laughs> You'd almost always want to pick an animal because the animal would be, especially if you don't go at it with a club. Too. You don't go at it with a club. No, a club's no. a bad way to go. Yeah, maybe the worst way to go. It feels yeah, like the worst way to go, at least. Blunt force trauma. That's no, not a good one. Absolutely not. You don't want to Wait, get that so close you guys, to you guys are on my side now? Well, we are on your side, but I wouldn't laugh at the its neck got destroyed. Hey, if he hadn't had a club, it wouldn't have happened. 
He picked up the club. <laughs> if he didn't have a club, it would have happened much He did quicker. go looking for well, probably His younger brother chose him. I will say that. I'm glad the younger brother got away. So but here's the next question. Not... The younger brother ran away and just allowed his other brother to get, like, kicked in the head? By a bird. But I'm it's assuming it's a bird. bird a lot now. Bird. Bird. I don't know. I don't like it. That's all I'm saying. Ooh, I don't like it. Who's most like a bird? Who what? Which ranger is most like a bird? Mm. Who did you say? Tanner. I want to say Grabner. Oh, see, I was going to say Grabner. Grabner is very bird-like. No, it was a gorilla. Grabner, Grabner is Marion Gabrick. Who's also a lot like a bird. No. Is Grabner like a bird? I don't think Grabner is like a bird. frail and sleek and quick. He must have had hollow bones. Zuccarello kind of, he has like that, those the bird-like features. He's a little think, sturdy to be a bird. Zuccarello is I more like a chipmunk to me. Yeah. So we're all agreeing that Zuccarello is like some type of animal. Well, we're all animals. Well, everybody's too. some type of animal. I guess that's true. Zuccarello, drink a nice thing of Zuccarello. For instance, you're a walrus. Ooh, I like walruses. Wait. And Beth is a whale, as you told us. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> Mike, that was you. That was a. That was oh. a. That was a. Well, I'm past it. It's okay. I, I think you should get angry. You should be like the caraway, and you should just start kicking Mike. Nah, I've had three glasses of wine. I'm okay with the. I like whales. Whales are good. All on the show. They sing I love songs whales. underwater. I think whales are awesome. Sperm whales are my favorite. Sperm. I'm being serious. I like I like the way that they look. Yes, sperm. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, I just keep trying to get this to go back to hockey and it doesn't. Just quietly say sperm. I did. Oh my god, oh, so good. <laughs> we are uh, asking Mike you to pay weeping. for this, by the way. We are asking you to pay for this product. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. Say, someone say a smart hockey thing that's worth money. Oh God. Um. Henrik Lundqvist is the greatest goaltender in Rangers history and the greatest player in Rangers history. There you go. Who are we going to end up playing in the first round? Pittsburgh. Next. Oh, I'm rapid fire answers now. Oh, all right. How Red. delicious would it be to beat them, though? It would be delicious. It would be the Come most on, delicious hockey in the whole world. Head. Like forbidden cassowary meat, delicious. <laughs> All you have to do is beat it tender with a club. <laughs> beat it tender with a very good show. I love yeah. it. I like it. Rangers are well, not I never think about. Do you guys think thing. about Carl Hagelin anymore? I never think about Carl Hagelin. No, I don't think about Hagelin anymore. No, because of I mean, it's like Bradford. now we have a guy who's fast but actually scores the goals. Except when Jack posts pictures and makes the world fall apart. Mm, that fool. Young Brad. All right. I very much enjoyed him when he was a ranger, but I don't miss him as a ranger anymore. You know what? Oh, I have... See, this is this is the problem. If, if Grabner is this for one year and then goes back to what he's always and what a fifteen point a fifteen goal guy, then him and Hagelin are basically the same player. Granted, Grabner's cheaper, but there are a lot of people who are like, oh, see, this is what Hagelin should have always been. Well, this is just, like, it's what <laughs> it's what he was. I don't, I don't know. He's also playing with Phil Kessel, so. 
Yeah, and yeah. Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin and lots of players. I have a good question to wrap up the podcast on. I'm ready. Okay. Okay. If you could add any former Ranger that's currently in the league to this team, that would help this team win the cup. Any forward player? Any player. Former Former, Ranger. Former. I had to be a former Ranger. And they have to be right now, I'm assuming. Yeah. Like you couldn't take Yager in his prime. It would be Yager right now. No, it would be today. So it would be Artem Anisimov of the Blackhawks today. I think I like Beth's answer. Like the Strawman? Yeah, yeah, I think Strawman. You sure it wouldn't be Matt Hunwick? Because there's a lot of train talk about Matt Hunwick. Mike, this is a positive podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I swear to God, if the Rangers trade back for Hunwick, uh, he's an ultimate captain, Joe. How bad can he be? That would be who, so Ranger, who would you though. Pick? Who would you pick, Mike? Um, Strom is a pretty good answer. I was toying it with in the uh, a question I was goofing around with before the podcast. I was going to ask if, if keeping in mind how old they are in their contracts, if you could take, would you choose Talbot over Hank today? Um, because of how good Hank has been, I don't think that Talbot would, you know, it would be like a, a monumental difference to how good Hank is. Um, you know, so I don't know. I, I don't want to just repeat Beth's answer, but it's kind of hard to beat it. There's not any, there's not any like forwards out there who used to be with the Rangers who are really, you know, exceptional. Well, I think Artie. They don't need the forward help either. Yeah, that's the yeah. other thing. So in terms you know, of if you, if you could shove anybody in any situation, like if cap doesn't matter, I don't think Brandon Dubinsky would be yeah. the worst choice. Um, but just based on the team needs, I, I think Anton Strowman. No, is. I think Beth nailed it. It's probably it has to be Strowman. There's anyone else that you could plays on the right side. Yeah, I, and I guess, God you know, knows right now he'd be he'd be happy to get out of Tampa Bay. Probably, but this is what you he do. He wanted to stay. <laughs> Didn't even negotiate positive, with him. Beth. Yeah, positive Beth.
He won't say it. Cassowary is your enemy. (laughs) All right. Thank you all. We're sorry. We're really sorry. I'm I'm not sorry. sorry. I find that I'm not sorry to screw you guys. (laughs) Good night. That's not a nice way to end a positive podcast. No, I was waiting for Beth's good night, which she gives every week. And then I wait for her to hang up, and then we we talk about her because I don't think she listens back to the podcast. <laughs> no, she hung up. I also, God, I also look forward to it every week. You know? Just a whale. Oh, well. I'm not saying right. anything. Anyway, Joe. Good night, like, buddy. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Yes, we're Enjoy. sorry about this. You should maybe have a delicious blue apron meal and think about how lucky you are not to be in cassowary territory. Yes, maybe they. <laughs> All right. Goodbye. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.